0: Hello and welcome to the BT Powerhouse podcast. As always, my name is Thomas Bennett, I'm the host of the podcast as well as the manager of BT Powerhouse. We're coming to you live on college basketball opening day uh, across the sport. A load, absolutely loaded day of college hoops uh, for everyone out there today. Starting off with um, across the country, I think Baylor's playing at like noon. It's going to be basically a, uh, a straight path through the entire afternoon and evening of college hoops. A number of Big Ten teams are in action tonight should be a lot of fun, but I wanted to uh, do a, a final podcast here. We've been doing our season preview series. Unfortunately, due to just some logistical errors, uh, we missed out on two of the teams, which are Michigan State and Nebraska. So I'm just going to take a few minutes to touch on both of those teams myself. Again, I apologize to those fan bases that we couldn't get on a guest from your respective teams. Um try to hit on all 14 but sometimes you know things happen and and we can't get it done so I'm going to touch on those two teams here briefly just some general thoughts and of course if you're interested in more content on them I posted extensive extensive season previews on both those teams on btpowerhouse.com so go check those out if you are interested in more content on Michigan State and Nebraska but going to touch on those two teams and then briefly touch on today's Uh, slate, primarily just two games, uh, maybe touch on one or two others, but mainly two games which are for Michigan State and Wisconsin, both playing premier opponents later tonight. So uh, as far as the season preview, uh, I'm going to start with Michigan State. Coming into this year, I mean, obviously, I, I think if you're a Spartan fan, you, you know the hype by now, you know the excitement, you know what's on the table. I really hate to do this. I don't think I've ever done it before. I've been covering the Big Ten for about 10 years now, and I believe this is the first year I've ever done this, which is basically put the season on national title or bust, Um it's probably because you know Michigan State comes in ranked number one, but really that that's how things feel with this team. And I'm sure Spartan fans would be thrilled to you know win a lot of games in the regular season, maybe repeat as Big Ten champs or win the Big Ten tournament. But that's how this year feels uh, in East Lansing. And again. It, it's always dangerous to try to put those type of expectations on a team. You're talking about a single elimination tournament. I mean look at last year's Virginia team they needed three miracle wins to get to the national title and that's generally how it goes. You need some luck. Uh, you need a favorable draw in the NCAA tournament, you need a lot of things to break your way. It's not just about being a good team. I mean, the best team we've probably seen in 20 years was that Kentucky team that lost to Wisconsin. I think that was 2015. That might have been the best team, uh, again, we've seen in like 20 years, and they didn't even make the national title game, let alone win it all, so that puts things into perspective, but for Michigan State, you return Cassius Winston, you return Xavier Tillman, you got Henry, you got um, a slew of, of other options here. The only guy that seems like the team is going to be without is Josh Langford, who's injured through at least January. Could be longer. Uh, Obviously, he's had some issues with his lower body. We'll see how his recovery goes. We certainly wish him the best. But outside of him, though, this looks like a a really, really good team. Uh, There are no clear holes anywhere. I mean, I know some people have been critical of, you know, well, who's going to start at the four? Who's going to start alongside Um, Tillman, you know, is it going to be Thomas Keether? You know, who's it going to be there? But really, I mean, if you're down to, you know, who's going to start at one final spot, you're probably in pretty good shape, especially when you have the preseason national player of the year, along with Tillman, who is one of the better defensive big men in the country, let alone the conference. So team is stacked. The schedule is as always with Tom Izzo, features a lot of name brand opponents. They're gonna get Kentucky here on opening night, which is a game I'll touch on briefly later. Um, and then they're gonna follow it up. They're gonna go to Maui. Um, obviously Big Ten play is going to be really exciting for this team, but a lot to be thrilled about as far as Michigan State. They're obviously the Big Ten favorite. I have them winning the Big Ten. Um, I, I don't know how, just on paper, you don't have them as a serious Final Four contender. They're ranked number one on Ken Palm. They're ranked number one by basically every outlet out there coming into the season. And, you know, we know high rankings have been a bit of a Achilles heel for Michigan State recently. And I say that with a, a, a little bit of sarcasm there just because uh, I think... Spartan fans have overreacted a little bit to some of those quote-unquote recent letdowns uh, when the team came into the season, you know, very highly ranked, but Michigan State has had a few years here over the last decade where they've come in with a lot of hype, with a lot of returning pieces, and didn't deliver, so honestly, if if I'm looking at what am I concerned about if I'm a a Spartan fan, I think honestly the, the biggest thing is, you know, playing with this kind of spotlight, and Michigan State's always going to have attention. Certainly towards the end of last season, they had a, a, a ton a ton of praise, but this is going to be different. This is the first time the program's ever entered a season with a number one ranking. Uh, they're going to be the hunted this year. You know, they're not going to be the hunter out there, and I think that's important because a lot of people forget last year's team, which obviously got it all together by season's end, you know, reeled off a, a ton of victories, you know, scored a, a number of wins over elite competition. They started pretty slowly. Uh, you know, they lost to Louisville, they lost, to, I believe it was Kansas in the Champions Classic uh, early in the year. And they really didn't get things going till around Christmas is when that winning streak started, which I believe ended at Purdue on the road. But they they got to live under the radar a little bit where they when they figured things out, you know, figured out who was going to play what role. And moreover, one of, one of the big things that I the other thing that I think I'm I would be concerned about if I'm a Spartan fan again outside of just playing up to expectations, there's going to be very very little room for error. Um, And one thing that I'm sure Spartan fans are are aware of, other teams that have come into seasons with high expectations know, is that these seasons are often not as much fun as you think, Uh, as weird as that sounds, because any misstep, you know, Michigan State's going to be expected to blow out everybody on a nightly basis, but for the really top tier opponents. So anytime they have a letdown, people are going to be whining. Anytime they have a Slow half, people are going to be complaining. That's that's just reality for Michigan State this year. People are going to be ultra critical, and that's part of that spotlight. So how do they perform under that? But the second thing is, um, last year's team, as I mentioned, you know, started slow, built from there, and a big part of it though was guys knew how to. They knew their role. They knew how to play together. And last year's team was Cassius Winston, and then guys who would were very low usage players who would contribute when it was a really good shot opportunity. And that led to a fantastic Michigan State offense that led to a really solid team that was hard to defend against because there were just so many solid options. I mean, you're talking about McQuaid, uh, Goins, you're talking about Tillman even to a certain extent. Those guys knew their roles. They were not high usage players. They were not guys that needed to have the ball in their hands to contribute. And can Michigan State do that this year we'll have to see I mean I I think uh one of one of the things to be very frank I was concerned about is you know Langford and Winston have played together for quite some time and I know Langford is a talented player but he's a guy who has a high usage rate he needs the ball in his hands I don't think he's as good of a fit with Winston as a guy like McQuaid was last season who can just shoot it from deep so if I'm a Spartan fan, two biggest concerns, again, how they play under the spotlight and the expectations, and are they going to be able to get that perfect mix again like they had last year where Winston can lead things, he's the straw in the drink, and everyone else is is just a complementary piece, uh, at least on offense. We'll see. It'll be interesting to follow. I think, uh, as I mentioned, I have Michigan State winning the Big Ten. I think they're a serious Final Four contender. Um, And, as I said, I think the expectation this year needs to be a serious run at the National Championship, not just a Final Four. Get to Monday, be in that game, and... I don't think it'll be a lost season if Michigan State only makes the final four or wins the Big Ten or something like that. But certainly it will be viewed as a missed opportunity for quite some time. I mean, it's it's rare. Uh, you know, Cassius Winston was the Big Ten player of the year last year and returned to school. That does not happen <laughs> on a regular basis. Not at all. I mean, if you go back through the list of you know, recent years it's exceeding. It's pretty rare to even get a first-team All Big Ten guy back, let alone the Player of the Year. So Michigan State's in a unique situation to succeed. Really experienced, uh, deep, got many, many of quality options all over. Uh, should be exciting to watch. So. That's that's my brief touch here on the Spartans. Uh, again, apologize it wasn't a little more in-depth, you know, as we've been doing with the other teams. But, again, logistical issues. Uh, the other team I wanted to touch on briefly was Nebraska. And to be very frank, this should have come across in my written preview, again, on btpowerhouse.com. But this team is exceedingly, exceedingly difficult to project. The team... Uh, <laughs> every team you know for those who don't know this college basketball you generally get 13 scholarship players Uh, you get 13 scholarships to hand out on a yearly basis usually teams will will carry a couple walk-ons additionally and a lot of times they won't fully use the 13 scholarships they might use 11 they might use 12 but generally you got a good idea you have about 11 to 13 players nebraska lost 11 players from last year's team Again, I I hate to keep bringing this up, but I've been covering the Big Ten for about 10 years, and I've never seen anything like this in the Big Ten. This is something that happens routinely at the mid-major level, where they have players constantly transferring in and out and things of that nature, but for a Big Ten program to lose 11 players in a single offseason is just, I'm sure it has happened at some point, but to my knowledge I've I have not seen it at least since I've been covering the league anything on this level it's crazy and what it means is it's really hard to get a gauge on Nebraska because we don't know really anything about this team this team could be pretty good it could be mediocre it could be horrible i mean it's i hate i hate to to cop out like that but nebraska i think is the toughest team to predict in the Big Ten this year, and I don't even think it's close just because there's so many new pieces. Uh, some of the new pieces I, I do like, um, particularly uh, Cheatham. I think he, he's a nice transfer that, that's going to be able to contribute this year. Um, they do have a few uh, young players as well, but overall, I mean, I, I don't have a lot of, I again, I I, I hate to cop out like this, but I don't have a lot of X's and O's predictions about this team just because we have no idea uh, about a lot of how a lot of these players are going to play. A lot of them are coming from smaller schools, you know, like Florida Gulf Coast, things of that nature they're always a question mark. You know, the up transfer from the mid-major to a Big Ten program is always a serious question uh, about how they're going to perform. You know, it's going to be tougher competition. They're not going to get to play against weaker defenders. Uh, but now you're talking about basically a whole team of, of new guys, and we also don't know how they're going to play together. We we have an idea of, of what Hoiberg's going to run offensively, given his time at Iowa State. But you know, one of the things on that front is has he adapted his system a, a ton since going to the NBA for the last couple of years? You know, what's it going to look like now? Um, and we'll we'll talk on Hoiberg in one more second, but as far as the roster, again, really hard uh, to get an idea on this. I think there's going to be a lot of moving pieces for, for the first couple of weeks, if not months of the season. I wouldn't be shocked if fans see six seven eight different guys tried out in the starting lineup at at some point I think it's just going to be one of those years for Nebraska where there's a lot of rotation a lot of different pieces and not to say that I, I think the players are going to be incapable of starting but when you just rotate through that many new guys it's kind of the nature of of the business so really hard on the roster again to be honest to have any idea on how it's going to look just so Many new faces. As far as more big picture stuff, obviously Nebraska, they let Tim Miles uh, go after last season. Um, I think generally speaking, Tim Miles was pretty uh, liked among the Nebraska community and the Big Ten at large. Seemed like a, a pretty bright guy, a guy who was ahead of the curve on a lot of things. However, you know, it, it did feel like it had run its course. You know, Nebraska didn't seem like it was going to be in position to get back to the NCAA tournament as it did early in his tenure, but still overall a, a decent coaching performance. I just think, you know, uh, I don't know if Nebraska will ever be at that elite level. You know, obviously they, they get compared to, to some of the more local programs there you know Creighton or Kansas or uh, Iowa Iowa State th- those kind of programs in that area but I don't know if Nebraska will ever quite be at that level but with that said I mean Nebraska's consistently uh, comes with a great great home court uh, crowd uh, in advantage they also have a some great facilities and I think I think this program can consistently contend for NITs and NCAA and tournament appearances. And I, I think at the end of the day, you know, Tim Miles, he had some, some nice stuff, but clearly they were regressing. He was losing a ton of pieces uh, after last season. So you had, you had some serious doubts about where things were going to go going forward. So Nebraska decides to make the change. They bring in Fred Hoiberg, Obviously, he reached great heights with Iowa State during his tenure there uh, before heading to the NBA to coach the Chicago Bulls. Had a little bit of a tumultuous run there uh, in Chicago, but if you're an NBA fan, you knew that he inherited an absolutely horrible roster. And frankly, I I don't know if, if firing him really... Did anything? I mean, they're still pretty bad. So uh, he he decides to return to college after getting fired from the Bulls, and takes the job at Nebraska. I think from Nebraska's perspective, this is a big, big time hire. I mean, if if you compare Hoiberg, I mean, he was one of the hottest. Obviously, I mean, he got hired in the NBA from college. I mean, that's a huge jump, but he was one of the hottest names in coaching uh, a few years back still a a pretty big name at this time and for a program like Nebraska that has never won a game in the NCAA tournament yeah never to hire a guy like that I mean I think that's a a slam dunk home run type of hire now whether that ends up translating we'll have to see we've seen these type of home run hires fail before um, but generally speaking I think Hoyberg has has done a great job so far I mean we talked about Nebraska lost 11 players from last year's team and he went to work on the recruiting trail hardcore in in the spring and really filled the roster out pretty well considering the circumstances because that is a hard hard task to do I mean if you look around elsewhere in the conference they're trying to fill a spot or two and and teams can't get the job done Hoiberg went out there found a lot of different guys so I think fans have to be excited about his recruiting potential and what he might be able to do given a full cycle (laughs) Um, and obviously Husker fans are hoping some results on the floor as well so big hire um, this season, again, it's really hard to tell how Nebraska is going to look just given the sheer roster turnover. Um, I know I've, I've heard many other people say the same thing, including Ken Palm, who said, basically, I have no idea how this team's going to look <laughs> because it's just so different from last year's group. But with that said, I, I do have Nebraska picked towards the bottom of the league, and the main reason I did that, well, the, there are two main reasons. The first is just the general uncertainty, as I've noted. You know, it's it's hard to pick a team to win a lot of games when I, I frankly, I'm, I'm unsure what the, what the starting lineup's even going to look like on a nightly basis given just the sheer turnover. But the second thing is uh, a lot of these are late additions. And, again, that's not to rip on them. You know, sometimes late additions can really tear it up. But late additions... More often than not, Are not your typical five-star type of prospects, Um, and usually teams that add these type of players are just looking for depth, not starting major contributors. Um, I mean, there's there's a chance like Cheatham, uh, he's going to have to be their best player potentially this year, and I mean that's that's a big step up from going from Florida Gulf Coast, or uh, I believe he's from Florida Gulf Coast. I'm I'm sorry, I'm I'm not in front of my computer at the moment, but. I believe he's from Florida Gulf Coast. But to go from a mid-major to a Big Ten team and be asked, you know, you may need to be our best player this year. That's a huge step. So overall, I I think Nebraska – heading in the right direction. This year, it, once you lost 11 players, it was going to be tremendously difficult to overcome that, but uh, obviously a big effort from Hoiberg to, to load up the team, and we'll see what happens here uh, this season, but I think for Nebraska this year is going to be more about just trying to build a core, trying to get that system installed, and hopefully recruiting better for next year and beyond. So, So yeah, with that, we previewed all 14 teams, uh, in the big 10, very excited for the season. As I said, apologize to Nebraska and Michigan state fans. Wish I could have gotten a little more coverage there, but just logistically, uh, it didn't work out here, uh, over the last couple of weeks. But as far as that, I did want to briefly touch on the two big games for tonight. Um, and that is, obviously the big one, which is Michigan State versus Kentucky, one versus number two. That game is going to be uh, Tuesday night. I believe it's at 9:30 Eastern. And then Wisconsin playing St. Mary's, which is a game that I think has slipped under the radar with the Champions Classic, but on a neutral court, going to be a really, really interesting game to see what the Badgers come out with against one of the better St. Mary teams in program history, at least on paper. So I'm gonna start with uh, the Wisconsin game, uh, which is a little more the appetizer (laughs) in this scenario. You know, I I think the Badgers, they enter this year, the the big question is how do you replace Ethan Happ, the do-it-all center who really, I mean, I hate to repeat myself, but he really did it all for Wisconsin. Great rebounder, great defender, great passer, great guy on the block scoring down low. So I mean, really losing a player like that is not easy to overcome, but the Badgers are certainly going to be trying to do that (laughs) this year. They do have a a bunch of nice pieces back. Unfortunately, Potter, the former Ohio State transfer, will not be eligible for the first semester, which leaves them a little bit shorthanded, but um, I I think the big guys you're going to want to watch for, or not Nebraska, Wisconsin for tonight. Uh, Reavers down low he's expected to to start at the 5 I I think with Potter out um, and then Trice in the backcourt those are going to be your your two leaders I would presume for the the first couple months of the season with Potter out and I'm really interested to see you know I think Wisconsin's going to be a pretty solid defensive team this year they're a really experienced group you know a lot of these guys they're not going to There's a pretty good chance Wisconsin plays no freshmen, seriously, this year. There's a chance. I mean, we'll see. But I I think it's really going to be a lot of upperclassmen, a lot of guys with three-plus years under their belts. And I think that's going to feed into a really good defensive unit. So I think they're going to be able to slow St. Mary's down defensively. I think my question is, who's going to score? Because Ethan Happ, everything ran through him. Offensively, and can Reavers do some of the distributing that HAP did last year? My instinct says no, but we will see. So, uh, watch, watch, you know, Trice and Reavers, I think, are are, you're going to be your your top guys here, but see how those other role players perform on Tuesday night. And I, it could tell a lot about how the season's going to go because, you know, as I mentioned, Wisconsin has a lot of experience, but not a tremendously deep team this year you know one with especially with potter out one bad you know injury here or one guy underperforming there and this team can get pretty thin so we're i think we're going to learn a lot here on tuesday night to see you know how how's that wing group going to develop or how did it develop i guess during the off season how's it going to perform and if they can hit the ground running, I I really think this could be a uh, a big season for Wisconsin, and I think they could be back in the NCAA tournament hunt, at least this in serious contention. But conversely, uh, team's got to find some scoring, so we'll we'll see what happens here on Tuesday night. Um, at this time, I I think I'd probably pick St. Mary's in that game uh, over the Badgers, but. Neutral court and you know, the first couple of weeks of college basketball are always interesting, and we find out what, what preseason projections were wrong. So we will see how the how the Badgers do. The other game is obviously the big one, one versus two, Michigan State versus Kentucky. I think this is gonna be a really, really thrilling game. And I, I think from Michigan State's perspective, Kentucky a little bit vulnerable in the, in the front court this year, at least on paper. So I think Michigan State has a chance uh, to really dominate the boards. I think they have a chance to really work it down low. But you know, Tillman, not your traditional scoring big man. He's a guy who who can really do work in the pick and roll, and he's really good on the defensive end. But. He's not your guy who's typically going to get you you know, 20, 25 points on a, on a nightly basis. So can he sort of take over in this game? And moreover, you know, what is Kentucky's defensive plan against Cassius Winston? Um, obviously one of the, the best players in the nation, one of the best guards out there. Can they slow him down? That's going to be a huge, huge question. And really I, I think it's going to determine the game. My pick at this time, i pick Michigan State, first off, because I, I think Michigan State's just a better team as of now, but the other part of it is, I think Kentucky is going to have some growing pains this year, and I think this is a game where they're going to show up, but it would obviously be a massive win if Michigan State can grab the uh, the W on, on Tuesday night. As I said, I, I think they will, but... If Michigan State is going to live up to expectations, obviously fans are expecting a one seed this year, potentially the number one overall seed in the tournament, and these are the kind of games that if you're going to get that one seed, these are the kind of games that that you're really going to to need. but with that, I, I think that's it. Um, the only other thing I'd mention, too, Tuesday night uh, that I, I can think of as, as really being notable um, is that Michigan Michigan opens up John Howard's first game, so that should be a little interesting there, the first game without John Beeline in Ann Arbor. And uh, Fred Hoiberg, who I, who I talked about earlier, opening up uh, for Nebraska on Tuesday night. Neither Michigan or, or Nebraska faces anyone who we we think is going to put up a fight, at least on paper. Uh, so there should be should be wins for for those two coaches in the their openers, but we shall see a uh, few other Big Ten teams play as well. Generally, first couple weeks of the season, uh, everybody's going to have a, a good game or two, but for the most part, a lot of these are the the body bag games you expect pretty big margins of victory and really I, I think we learn more about the teams that struggle in these games than we learn about anybody else so should be fun thanks again for checking us out as always my name is thomas bendit you can follow me on twitter at t bendit make sure to rate our, our podcast positively subscribe uh we appreciate all our listeners check out the website tons of of season preview content there uh it, it's going to be a lot of fun going to be a great year and thank you guys